following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good day, folks. How y'all doing? Come on. How you doing? Okay. Now, do you kind of see why pastors kind of are bothered by Memorial Day weekend? And then Labor Day weekend? Thank God tomorrow is the last holiday that'll keep the summer runners away. You're going to call, come home. And, uh, you know, you're probably like me. We didn't have enough money to get out of town. I've been out of town, though. I've been missing y'all. I really, really have. The last couple of Sundays, I've been preaching. I, I felt like I was evangelizing again. Uh, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to depend on uh, a car get me to the next location and somebody not even understanding how, how costly it is to drive from that location to the other location. I did, I did go to Snyder. This is funny, guys. I went to Snyder. And if Snyder's listening to me, I apologize up front. Okay, I apologize. But I went to Snyder to preach for Reed two Sundays ago, the 65th church anniversary. Pa- Reed, Pastor Reed is their fourth pastor in those, in those years. And so he'll probably stay there 30 years. Uh, he just, he's, he's found him a place. He loves Snyder. It's a population 11,500 people. And he's in love with it. And he could be the mayor of that town because when he was a kid, he was loved. He didn't do anything that would make them despise him. And the, and the prodigal, the good prodigals come home to be the pastor of Colonial Hill. And I think it's pretty cool. And, uh, and so I, I went out there and I, and I preached for them. I went out there and I preached for them. And it was so cute. It was so cute. Folks, y'all have never done this to me. But Reed's got some people in that congregation. He got up because it was a crowded, it was a crowded. I didn't tell this in the first two services, but I've got a little time to talk in this one. He held the last thing between me and lunch anyhow. So anyhow, he said, I want y'all to scoot in with no mic. Scoot in, scoot in, scoot in, scoot in. We need some more room. We got people had 378 two weeks ago. Had 378 in church. There's run about 170. And when, since Reed's got there, they've already increased 200 people in attendance. He's just, he's got the it factor. And a little woman came over to him and hit him on the shoulder right here. And she said, hey, your mic was off. Turn your mic on if you're going to address the congregation. I fell out. I fell out. I said, welcome to Snyder, Reed. Welcome to Snyder. I've been there, done that, got a t-shirt. What a joy to preach for Pastor Reed. And then last week I preached for Pastor Curtis Walsh. His, uh, his uncle was the 49er coach several years ago, Bill Walsh. Had the, had the West Coast offense, and that church has a West Coast offense. Man, they got, they got some things moving up there. And I was so happy to be with them. And now today I get to be home in the whole month of September. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. I'm so excited to be home. Thank you for welcoming me home. I, I used to pastor a church every time I got invited to go somewhere and speak, they'd get mad at me and stay mad at me for about a month and I'd have to conjole them and make them feel good. To, you know, I'm back, I'm back now. But I'm so glad I get to come back and y'all say, Pastor, we missed you. And I say, I missed y'all and it's all lovey-dovey, hallelujah. What a joy to pastor that kind of people. You got the right kind of mindset because God wants us to go tell the good news to other people every now and then. This is my home. This is where I'll always be. Y'all will bury me here. I think I'm going to be buried right there. No. But anyhow, I love you. You know that. And I'm very excited. I want to welcome, I know she's not in the house right now, but Brother Al and Sister Norma's daughter, Atisha, and her family are back home from Italy. 
I think that's pretty cool. I thought she was here a while ago, but we're back home. We'll welcome her when she gets in the building, but what a joy to have them back. They missed us. And I love that. There's people in Italy listening to us today, and it might be Brother Michelangelo. It might be her husband listening to us over there. But whatever, we've got people around the globe listening to us, which means some of our people are around the globe, and at least they're tuning in to CLC's service today. Would you stand? You're awesome people, and I love you very, very much. You're precious. You're precious. You're precious. None like you in all the world. And I wouldn't trade you for three first-round draft choices. Come on, I've been saying it for 29 years. Learn something about life. Hey, did you notice what color shirt Brady had on by any chance? Maroon. I'm going to call him this week and I'm going to say, Brady, if you're going to announce things in Austin, we love Aggies. We love them. We think they're godly. We think they're wonderful. But this is Austin. Wear some burn orange, big boy. Wear some burn orange. All right. All right. At least this week. We don't know about next week, but at least this week. <laughs> Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to help the pastor preach today. And I love you very much. And I have something to speak to you from my heart today. I really, really do. I'm going to talk today on this subject, marked for redemption. I'm going to speak about being marked for redemption. And God's going to help us today. It's going to be a wonderful day. And I thank you for being here. You may be seated. I won't be long. So I put in my notes, ah, the 50s and the 60s, the Fonzie days, the poodle skirts, the bobby socks, the duck tails on men. Uh, you know, it was quite a time. It was quite a time. I grew up in that time. They were redeemable times. It was redeemable age. Soft drink and milk bottles were redeemable. You remember those days, anybody that's old as me? Because you're old as me, you're as old as dirt, okay? <laughs> you collect them, you clean them, you carry them to a grocery store for a few cents each. And if you got enough, you could buy you another soda, soda and save that bottle to get a refund on the next drink. Speaking of grocery stores, stamps were given to customers at purchase that were also redeemable at redemption centers. Any of you ever worked in a grocery store? I did in high school in my first year in college. Who can forget the dread of facing double stamp day? Everything in Leveland, population 12,000, came to Fur Supermarket on double stamp day on Tuesday, and we had to work from Candle Cane. I hated double stamp day. But before eBay, pawn shops were more common. Here, too, the idea of redemption could be found in practice. To retrieve a pawned item, though, required a price. And today, we have fewer reminders around us of redemption, but we still live in what I call a redeemable age. And every person in this redeemable age is given a chance to be bought back from sin, to be brought back from the brink of life. Redemption is one of the most powerful themes in books and films today. In fact, if you know of a film that has redemption in it, some redeeming value, you want to go see it. All of us do because we love stories of redemption. And it draws us on a desire that God placed within each of us that we are redeemed. Preaching is a subject that, that acknowledges that we all want our lives to count. Let me tell you a story of two brothers today while I get started. One named John, the other named Edwin. Both grew up around the theater. Both became actors. Both loved Shakespeare. 
Edwin performed Hamlet more than any other actor of his day, and John played Brutus in Julius Caesar. So much alike, yet so different. And, all, and the difference made all the difference in their life. John was a devout secessionist. He supported the Confederacy and, the, and he advocated states' rights. But Edwin was an ardent unionist and he supported the union cause and President Abraham Lincoln. And on a fateful Good Friday evening in April of 1865, the paths of those two brothers parted. John was performing at Ford's Theater Washington, D.C., the production of Our American Cousin. And that night, John, John Wilkes Booth, shot and killed the president. A few days later, they found him and he was killed also. Edwin Booth was in New York at the time managing the Winter Garden Theater. And when news came to him about what his brother John had done, he was devastated he was grieved for the president for he loved him. He was grieved for his brother for he loved him. And lastly, he grieved for himself. He was fired that week from the theater because of what his brother had done, not what he had done, what his brother had done. He was marked. And Edwin's few friends thought he might go insane or return to his old habit with the bottle because he battled that a lot in his life. And it probably would have happened, but one thing spared Edwin an event so bizarre that it seemed fictional. Edwin happened to be standing on a crowded train station platform in New Jersey when a train arrived one day and a young man in front of Edwin was pushed by the surging crowd into the gap between the platform and this train that was coming. And that young man was fallen either to his death or perhaps a terrible disfigurement. But a hand reached out and grabbed his collar and a strong hand pulled him back from death to safety of the platform and the crowd stopped its surge and stared in silent amazement at the scene. For Robert Todd Lincoln, the only surviving son of the late president had been pulled to safety by Edwin Booth. Life is so amazing, it really is. One brother had killed Lincoln, the other brother had saved a Lincoln. Edwin Booth told no one, but Robert Todd Lincoln told everybody he could tell. He thought it was the greatest act of bravery ever, especially from where it came from. And then this gesture of humanity, Edwin not only saved someone else, but he saved himself. He found what we're all looking for. He found a moment of redemption. We all look for that. Now I'm fixing to tell you a scriptural story about two other brothers and I'm going to tell the backside of it, but the front side of it will come later. Here's the backside. Genesis chapter 4, Cain said to God, my punishment is too much. I can't take it. You've thrown me off the land and I can never again face you. I'm a homeless wanderer on earth and whoever finds me will kill me. And God told him, no, anyone who kills Cain will pay for it seven times over. Then God put a mark on Cain to protect him so that no one who met him would kill him. And Cain left the presence of God and lived in no man's land east of Eden. He lived in the land of Nod, according to the King James Version, or no man's land. Before the punishment became too great for Cain, the Lord wanted Cain to know that he had been marked in the fourth chapter of Genesis, Cain was marked. 
I wish each person in this room to know also that you, my friend, have been marked. You've been marked. If God can mark a man in the fourth chapter of Genesis before the cross was ever a thought in anybody's mind except Almighty God, I want you to know that you've been marked today. You've been marked for redemption. You've been marked. People seek redemption. They hunger to make things right. Edwin Booth had that moment. I pray that each person in this building finds a moment of redemption in your life. In the Genesis story of two brothers, the innocent perished and the guilty survived. See, God's amazing grace offered redemption in chapter four of Genesis to the guilty. I can see Cain eyeing his altar from a safe distance across the field. A divine fire had illuminated his brother Abel's sacrifice, but not his. His cold bloodless sacrifice, even though he was a gardener and Abel was a, a herdsman, lay there dormant, lifeless and meaningless. And Cain was the firstborn and Eve, his mother, shouted over him when he was born, I have received a man of God, a, a, man, a man child from God. I've received a man child from God. Surely she thought, this might be the redeemer. When Abel was born, it was nothing, literally nothing's what his name means. Surely she thought that this would be the future of mankind, this Cain, because there was a promise in Genesis 3.15 that the heel of the one coming would bruise the head of the serpent. And she thought, I have borne that child. But rather than crushing the enemy, he felt like now crushing his own brother. As Abel's sacrifice burned, a strange fire gripped Cain's soul. Jealousy blinded him. Hatred clouded his judgment. Like many since, he masked his failures by attacking someone else. He killed Abel, then hid the body. See, the firstborn of mankind was not born a murderer, and he didn't hide it from God. In fact, God convicted him about it, and Cain confessed. And that day... Adam and Eve lost not one son, but two, one to death and the grave and the other to exile. Now, I want to preach a little bit here today, if you don't mind. Sin marks every person for destruction. It marks us. Sin marks us. If you don't think it marks us, just listen to me a little bit. Please don't forget that Cain wasn't the first sinner. He was born in sin. His parents had sinned before him when they ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then they were naked in their sight and they covered themselves with fig leaves. And then God slayed a lamb and put lamb's clothes on them because the blood is still the sacrifice for sin. And as Cain, each of us carry a stigma of our parents' original sin. All, sin, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Paul said in Romans. And he also said in 3 and 9, Jews and Gentiles alike are under the curse of sin. Then he wrote to the Galatians in 3.22, we are all under sin. How did it happen? How did that happen, Pastor? Glad you asked because Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, he passed it to the whole world. How does that make us guilty? James said it this way, to be guilt-free, one must keep the whole law. According to the Jewish thought, the whole law is 613 commandments found in the law. And James said to fail at one point is to be a transgressor against the whole law. And we know that no man can live that kind of life. And Adam's failure was inherited by the human race. And so in Romans 5, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. 
And Paul detected that in his own sinful flesh. He said in Romans 7, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I just can't make it happen. As one of my favorite writers, Carl Sandburg, stated, There's an eagle in me that wants to fly, but there's also a hippopotamus within me that wants to wallow in the mud. So it is with life. We all wrestle. We all fight. We all struggle. Ask the alcoholic with tremors and liberal problems. Is alcohol a problem? Ask the heroin addict with destroyed limbs. Ask the murderer whose life is destroyed by hatred. Ask the hypocrite whose conscience is seared. And ask the adulterer whose memory is haunted. And ask the liar whose dreams are filled with judgment. They all know. Everybody knows. Sin marks us. And sin marks us for destruction. Sin wants to destroy you. Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death. But there's a second half of that. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Sin's fruit is bitterness. Sin's dark denouement is misery. Sin's bountiful harvest is death. Sin stamps us. It tattoos us. Sin marks us. And as certain as that is, however, I also believe, point two, God marks every one of us for redemption. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad there's an act two? Aren't you glad there's a second part to this sermon? You may have been marked by sin, but there's something greater than sin. Hallelujah. Where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Aren't you happy that when God comes along, he stamps you, he marks you with redemption. And redemption is greater than any sin. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach a little bit right now. If you don't mind, I just, just, just stand on the corner and watch me a little bit. I'm going to preach a little. I want to tell you something. I love the grace of God. Cain, like his parents before him, sinned. And God gave his penalty. Cain, you'll be a vagabond and you'll be a wanderer. But someone has translated Cain's response as this. My iniquity is too great for forgiveness. I'll be in danger of starvation. Each person I meet will want to kill me. Then God did something remarkable. Just as God marks Abel's sacrifice and Abel's death, he marked Cain. It's called the mark of Cain. And some suppose it was a miraculous change perhaps in his appearance. Maybe God changed what he looked like. Gave him a do-over, a makeover. Others suggest a mark was imprinted on his forehead. Sounds legit. Some theorize that God wrote his own name over Cain's forehead. I love that Jehovah, Elohim, whatever. Some say that God struck him with leprosy, paralysis, or insanity to keep others at bay. And others say that God placed a cross on his forehead. I can buy that. On and on goes the theories. But what we do know is this. God didn't mark Cain so that he would die. God marked Cain to let him live. Somebody ought to clap your hands about that right now. In chapter four of the first book of the Bible, a long way from a place called Calvary, grace showed up. Grace showed up. And God said, I don't care how bad you've done. You're a murderer. You've killed your own brother. 
But I'm going to mark you, son. I'm going to mark you for redemption. I'm not going to let you die. I'm going to give you a chance all your life to find me and to relate to me again. I'm going to let you have an opportunity every time you feel my presence to turn your heart back home. I'm not going to mark you for destruction. I'm going to mark you for redemption. Yeah. Cain was given a second chance. He was a man marked for redemption. See, there's old religionists, and some of you may have never heard these theories I'm about to preach. They make big issue about contrasting Cain's seed with another of Adam and Eve's children called Seth. Seth was the one that took the dead man Abel's place, Seth. He was a substitute. And they say there's only two races in mankind. That is the race of Cain, the seed of Cain, and the seed of Seth. And many say the seed of Cain is an evil seed. And the seed of Seth is a righteous seed. And they carry this belief forward saying how you were born really determines your destiny. So if you was born to bad, you're going to be bad. If you were born to good, you're going to be good. In other words, they say that your eternity is decided in the womb. And while I agree that this world can be divided between godly and ungodly, the saved and the unsaved, you hear this, Pastor, I don't believe for one minute that the womb determines your godliness. I don't believe that. Help me preach now. Only Jesus was born godly. Anyone who's a saint now was born an ain't before because you came from the seed of Adam. We were born twice to become a saint, once to be a sinner, twice to be a saint. And the reason we can do this is that God marks each of us, all of us for redemption, not just those of the seed of Seth. Some of you come out of a bad mama or a bad daddy, but here you found a good father and a great mother called the church. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden you said, I've got this mark of sin. Can God turn me around? Yeah. God's got a stamp bigger than sin could ever be. And he'll put it on your forehead. And you'll think about it every day because you've been marked for redemption. Woo. That's grace. That's grace. That's so much grace. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love this scripture, where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love the fact that he's washed my sins away. You hear me, I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your background was. I don't care what your background or your foreground's gonna be. Every one of you in this house have got a mark on your forehead and it's the mark of redemption. God went to a cross called Calvary to save every one of us. He desires us all to be saved. Years ago in the little A-frame building, a woman came in, in that church seeking to be saved. Her life was wretched. In fact, I made this declaration. I preach it all over the country. No one ever worse than her. I've never pastored anyone worse than her. Her sin was indescribable. Her plot was indescribable. 
Her plans were indescribable. Her words, I'm so bad, God can't forgive me. I've done too much for too long, too many, too many times to too many. And this thought had firmly rooted itself in her. But one day when she found salvation, one day right over here, I finally said, stop talking about where you've been, what you are, where you've come from. Stop and start saying, look where I'm headed. Look what God's going to do. Look what this grace is going to accomplish. Look what his mercy is going to fulfill in my life. Stop and start. You hear me. You take that sin thing off and let God put a brand on you that said you are marked for, hallelujah, you're marked for regeneration. Stop, stop, stop. This is powerful. He saved to the uttermost. The enemy tried us to get us to question God. He wants us to sing a duet with Cain. My iniquity is too great for forgiveness, but you've been marked for redemption. I've gone too far. I've hurt too many. I've disappointed many more, but you're marked for redemption. Too much, too far, too little, too late. No, you're marked. The enemy's a great lyricist of defeat, but God marked Cain who had just murdered his brother and said, you will live and you will not die. Don't come in here and say, God can't rescue me. Don't come in here and say, this is too much for God to handle. Don't you do that to him. And don't you do that to me because I'll stand here and say, God is greater than all your sin. He's greater than all your problems. Come on now, he's greater. So what you gonna do with this glorious, gracious offer? What you gonna do with it? I believe there comes a moment in each person's life that the past must be laid to rest. Everybody say the past. It's gotta be gone forever, forever. Old things have gotta pass away. Redemption is offered. Accept it, seize it, grab it by the collar and say, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Yeah, sin marks us, but God marks us with redemption. And so, which one are you gonna seize? Are you gonna seize that that moment that you can feel redemption or are you going to seize the moment when you say sin has just got me and I can't let it go? Cain was marked for redemption, but he walked away from God. And as far as we know, he never came back. Cain, you got to seize the moment. God has proved his mercy to you. He's proved his grace to you, son. Cain, the days are evil. Redeem those days. They slip by fast. The sand of life's hourglass falls so quickly. Grasp the moment. Seize it. Yet for some reason, Cain did not fully grasp the moment. He recognized that God had spared him, but he went out from the presence of God, presence of God and he stayed out. He was gone. You read the genealogy of Cain, you see a forlorn individual. He had a son named Enoch, and he built a city. Enoch means beginnings, new beginnings. So he had a beginning. He built a city but we never find him ever serving God. And just as secondhand smoke affects children and grandchildren, a refusal to seek after God can affect the future generations in your home. I was so happy in second service, there was a mom and dad here and their son has found Jesus in this church just recently. And the father stopped me on my way out and down the aisle in second service and he said, Pastor, crying. He said, Pastor, we never knew we was gonna see this. He said, we trained up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he's not depart, but said old wasn't 18. Old wasn't 21. Old wasn't 25 and old wasn't 30. He said when we found out that he found Jesus and the son was just bawling, crying. He said, we're here rejoicing with you today because grace is greater than all sin. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Cain taught his kids how to work, but he didn't teach them how to worship. His descendants learned to craft, sculpt, create, and compose, but they never learned to call on God. Never. Like Cain, they learned to live without God. The Bible calls this the way of Cain. But it's because you decide that, not God. You decide that. It's the Broadway jam with people who are marked for redemption, but they choose destruction. See, somebody asked one time, Pastor, is God going to send people to hell? No. They're going to go that way themselves. Hell is not prepared for us. It's prepared for the devil and his angels. Somebody help me right now. If you go to hell, you're going to be visiting a place that wasn't even prepared for you. Ooh, I feel like preaching right now. Why don't you let the devil and his angels have all that hell? And why don't you let hell go and let's go to heaven together? Amen. Let's go to heaven together. Come on, it wasn't even prepared for you. But Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. He's prepared a place. I want to go where I'm prepared for. I don't want to go where they're not expecting me. That's enough of that. Everybody say, I've been marked for redemption. Cain was, but he refused the Redeemer. As I said earlier, when I was a child, my dad and older brother taught me how to collect soft drink bottles. I'm not far from finishing. Back then, we didn't recycle them. We redeemed them. <laughs> you know what? To this day, I hate to, re- I hate to admit this, but to this day, I don't know which is the recyclable stuff. <laughs> and my wife says, the blue trash can, honey. The blue trash can. Or the, the trash. That's the brown trash can, honey. That's the brown trash can. And many times, I have thrown recyclable stuff into the brown trash can. And I never told her. And I'm sharing that with y'all right now and I hope she's not listening in the office taking care of the grandkids. But if she's listening, I'll be reprimanded tonight because. (laughs) But I love the fact that things could be redeemed back then. If a bottle had the words printed on it, redeemable upon deposit, it wasn't trash. It was treasure in disguise. Most days walking home from school, I would watch for soft drink bottles on the side of the road. People tossed them. Thank God I never was hit by one. But by the time I arrived at a convenience store, I frequently had enough bottles to redeem and buy me a drink and a soft drink and and a payday and maybe some bubble gum. That pretty much made my day. I was a simple kid then. I'm a simple pastor now. I still like paydays. Don't go get me any because I'm on a diet. I learned a lesson then and it stuck with me. If something is redeemable, don't ever throw it away. I had a man sit right up there, and I'm closing around if you'll help me. I had a man sit right up there for 10 years, 10 long years. And one day I said, Lord, why don't you move him out? So we can make space for somebody that wants you. And God said, I'm going to get him. He's marked for redemption. I'm going to get him. And one Sunday, I loved him. I loved him. He was awesome. I loved him. But I just thought, he's just taking up space. But one Sunday morning, I preached and God got him. And I saw him stand up and I thought, well, he's going to the bathroom or something. You know. 
couldn't be coming down here. But he walked all the way across, come down. And I thought, well, he's, he's, somebody needs prayer or something. He came right up and stood right here, right here. He's the only one that walked the aisle that day. And then others came after him. But he, he started it that day. He started the, the parade. He stood right here. He said, you're going to have to help me. I don't know what to do. I said, I can help you. I led him to the Lord. He's an old man. He cried. Cried hard. He found the Lord. And back that day, we didn't wait to baptize a bunch of people. We baptized them right then. We didn't want them running out and saying, well, I got saved that day, but I didn't get baptized. We wanted to put him in the water right then. Make it right. Let that confession be seen by people. And so we baptized him. And when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit filled him. I mean, he got the trifecta. And he grabbed me and he hugged me. And he said, I'm so glad I came down today. And I said, oh, I am too. <laughs> Six months later, God taught me a lesson that anything's redeemable that's redeemable is worthwhile you don't throw it away and I know that I preach to people every Sunday that have been marked for redemption and you walk out on God but I don't think you're going the way of sin I think you're just going the way of I don't think God would do that for me yeah, he would, and he will. When I was 21 years old, I, I couldn't spell preach, much less do it. But I was holding revivals and seeing some success because God saw my heart. I was building on gold, silver, and precious stone, not wood, hand, stubble. It was about him, not me. And I got through preaching one night, had a high fever when I preached that night. And I thought, well, I'm not even going to give an altar call. I feel so bad, I need to go rest. I really needed mama to help me because I was, I was wanting to go home really. I was sick. And a woman walked up and she said, I'm a heroin addict. I'm a heroin addict. And I need deliverance. I need help. I thought, oh wow, this is going to take a while. But it didn't because God had already marked her for redemption. We prayed for her. She said, I'm, I'm whole. I feel whole. I feel clean. I left that revival, and about a year later, I was at a conference, and, and somebody came up and tapped me on the shoulder. She said, do you remember me? And I turned around. I said, you know, you, you, you know how you say it. Yeah, you look familiar. But she didn't look familiar. She looked like a brand-new woman. said, see if this helps you. I was a girl in Gretna, Louisiana, a little town out of New Orleans. Said, I was that girl in Gretna that had all these tracks on my arms and she held up her arms and said, look, no tracks. I've been healed. I've been delivered. I've been set free. Anything that's redeemable, don't throw it away. 
Don't throw it away. Everybody in this house is redeemable today. As long as I pastor this church, you'll not be thrown away. We're going to love on you. We're going to take you to heaven. Everybody needs the privilege of being saved and in the arms of Jesus Christ. Everybody. And yeah, it's different than what we heard in August. But I just felt like I had to preach the grace of God and the cross of Christ today. Because at Calvary one day he marked us all. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yeah, he did. He loves us all. Whether you're from the seed of Cain or the seed of Seth, he loves you all. And you matter to him. Randy, bring the singers. There's a place in Cambridge, Massachusetts called Redemption Tattoo. Redemption Tattoo. That's a cute name. Redemption Tattoo. They do spiritual tattoos. They do angels and they do prophets and they do Jesus and all that. And their theme is redeem yourself. Redeem yourself. And what they are saying simply is this. When you come here, we're going to mark you with redemption. And if a tattoo shop can do spiritual tattoos, what can a Savior do with you today? He wants to mark you. He wants you to know you're marked with redemption today. He wants to regenerate your mind and regenerate your heart. And going into the fall, why don't we let that happen to us today? Why don't we let that happen? I love you. And I'm not going to throw any of you away because you're redeemable mean a lot to God and a lot to this church. Would you stand? You're awesome people. I love you very much. Thank you. 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 Heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want you to say today, I want to say to you today, you need to be, you need to be redeemed if you hadn't been redeemed. And I'm going to open up these altars. Nobody's looking, but I'm going to open up these altars. We've had fabulous altar services in the first two. And I know that there's people in this service that would like to come and know the Lord or like to come back to the Lord or like to come and be healed of past regrets and past failures. God can heal you of that. He really, really can. And I want you to know that you can come here today and stand. Don't be embarrassed to stand. One of the things I used to do as a young preacher, every time the altar was open, I'd be the first in the altar. And it wasn't for show. I just wanted God to know that he mattered that much to me. And I had people come and pray for me just like they prayed for the, for the lost, lostest sinner because I wanted God to give me direction in my life. And I want you to come. If you want to come, I'll pray with you today. We're going to pray over you and then pray with you. Would you like to step out and come right now? Come on. Here they come. Here they come. Come on. Come on right now. No, nobody looking. Nobody looking. I just want you to look if you want to come to the altar so you can find your way to the altar. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, folks. Thank you, precious folks. Come on. Just keep, keep coming. Keep coming. Come on. Just keep coming. Here they come. Here they come. Come on out of the balcony if you'd like. Come on out of the balcony. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. 
The blood of Jesus reaches up there and it reaches here. Come on. It's for you today. It's for you today. It's for you today. Come on now. I want you to throw your hands in the air. I want you to put your hands in the air. Come on, put your hands in the air. I want you to pray for yourself and I'm gonna pray with you right now. Dear Father, look at this beautiful, beautiful congregation at this altar. I thank you for them today. I thank you because you are gonna do a great work in their life today. I thank you, Lord, because the past is gonna be in the past forever. We're gonna get past our past. We're gonna get past our situations. We're gonna let you take a hold of our life. Let grace envelop us here today. Let the grace of God envelop us here today. In Jesus' name, let us know without a shadow of a doubt that you're walking with us and you're for us. Hallelujah. Oh God, the grace of God is important in our life right now. Let us receive it, let us receive it. And Lord, though sin has marked us, you're gonna mark us with a greater mark than sin could ever mark. Hallelujah. You marked a man in Genesis 4. You marked a man in Genesis 4 with grace and with redemptive power. Hallelujah. With regeneration. You marked him for redemption in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, let him bless you right now. Let him bless you, Lord. I want to be marked. I want to be marked. I want to walk in that mark. I want to walk forward. I want to walk forward in the grace of God. I want to go forward in the mercy of God. I want to go. I want to go forward. I want to go forward in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Yes. Tell him your trouble. Tell him your situation. Save me, Lord. Restore me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Touch my mind, Lord. Touch my heart. Touch my spirit. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now I want you in this altar. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. Time has run out, but we're going to pray together. And I want one day when your time does run out that this prayer is going to help you during that time. Dear Jesus, come on, say it with me. Dear Jesus, I love you today. And on this Labor Day weekend, it reminds me how much I have labored to try to get past some guilt, some fears, some yesterdays, some griefs, some issues. And God, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm weary. I'm worn out. Can't do it no more by myself. I need your help. And the preacher told me today that you had marked me for redemption and that you loved me before I ever called on your name and that you care for me as a doting, loving father. And I submit myself to you right now. You said if I would confess with my mouth, you said that. You said if I believed that you died and was buried and rose again, that you would save me. And Lord, I confess with my mouth, I need you today in my life. I can't do life without you. I need you today. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Redeem me, Lord. The preacher said I was valuable. 
And I trust the preacher. And I trust you so much more, God, because you set his mouth ablaze today to let me know that I'm redeemable and I matter. And I matter. And at this redemption center, I'm praying now, at this redemption center, let it happen in Jesus' name. Let it happen. I want you to say thank you, Jesus, all over the front right now. Come on, thank you. You then the audience, let's clap our hands for these people that have found the Lord here today. Not only found the Lord, but have come back to the Lord. Come on now, clap your hands real big. Clap your hands, let's rejoice with them right now. You don't understand, this is big right here. This is massive right here. You need to understand that. Come on, this is big right here, this is big. Hallelujah, what a joy. What a joy, what a joy. Look at me, young man, you matter. You're redeemable. You're not gonna be thrown away here, you understand that? I love you very much. You matter. Look at me, sir. By the way, I like your haircut. You matter. You're redeemable. You won't be thrown away here. You'll be loved here. You matter here. Look at me, mama. Look at me. You're so sweet. You matter. You're precious. Your hair smells good. I love you. Look at me, sweetheart. Look at me. You matter. You matter. You let that sink into your head and your heart today. You matter to God. And you're loved. And you're redeemable. We're not going to throw you away. Turn to your neighbor and say, you matter. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you matter. You matter. I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. You matter. You matter. Amen. Now let me bless you with favor before you leave today. Lord, I bless this congregation. May the favor of the Lord be on their homes. May the favor of the Lord be on their jobs. May they find the greatest September ever. Thank you for a first day of learning more about the grace of God. You put a mark on a man that had murdered his own brother in Genesis 4 a long time before the cross because grace is also an Old Testament word. Thank you for that today. We love you. It's Wednesday night, we're starting a new series called a September to Remember. It's gonna be very unique. I love you. You're awesome. None like you. Go celebrate with your family. Hope you don't have to work tomorrow. If you do, work hard. You might get double paid. God bless. I love you. Sing us out of here, kids. Bless you.